Hello, and welcome to Creepy Core and Folklore, the show about creatures, encounters, old tales, and myths. I'm your host, Iona Wayland, a dark fantasy author, mental health professional, and overall curious person. I want to join other spooky souls and hear about these unusual stories. Hello, spooky soul, and welcome to episode 39 of Creepy Core and Folklore. Earth Day is this Friday, and I do not need to be told twice to celebrate our gorgeous planet. Um, It's really cool because I was able to find lots of really neat stuff about like Earth folklore, and I'm just going to briefly go over some of them. But if you want a deep dive, I'm including, of course, all the articles that I'm using in the links below. But let's start off with some magical things. So there are considered four cardinal elements. There's earth, air, fire, and water. North earth, what I'm not quite sure what that means, but it's said to have the ultimate feminine elements to it. And then earth itself is supposed to represent fertile, stable goddess energy. Um, The earth itself is magically considered a ball of life and that it's connected to the wheel of time. And there's those concentric kind of circular imagery that I find fascinating in its folklore and things about it. So for instance, like the days are seen as a circle or an orbit. The year is seen as a circle or an oval or an orbit. And then there's that birth, life, death, and rebirth cycle, like with the seasons, with some beliefs, and with the way the earth turns. So there are many different types of earth spirits that are described all across the world. Uh, However, there's something that's kind of like rooted amongst each of them, like the common themes are that there is a land and plant kingdom, but then there's another realm. And this other realm holds the forces of nature in like a different physical space that might be parallel to the earth. And that there are some crossover between landmarks, like rocks and trees are kind of like a portal to this other physical space. This can be seen in talks of the realm of the Fae with that whole parallel space. And then these beings are connected with the earth and with realms that are almost seen as like subterranean or like upside down parallel to the earth, which I think is very fascinating. Gnomes are another type of little creature that I just, oh my God. So speaking of gnomes, I'm going to get into it in a second. I swear to God, our gnomes are like multiplying. It all started with my mom bringing gnomes. Like she said it was for Babo, but I have a feeling that she thought they were just cute. It's like such a mom thing to do, which is totally fine. And I I do think they're cute too. But like I could have sworn she only brought like three over and now there's like 12 and there's one basically for every month of the year. And I'm just so confused as to how this even happened. Like our house is getting taken over by them. And I'm just going to add to like my household gnome lore that sometimes I swear to God they move. Like I'll put them in one place because I'm like, oh, you look like a cute decor piece here. Kind of cheesy, but whatever. And then they'll be like somewhere else all clustered together. (laughs) And it makes me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) 
<laughs> but gnomes apparently have the ability to move and exist underground. And it's very similar to the Fey realm and also similar to elves. They're another type of creature associated with the earth and that they have this special connection with the earth, um, but that they can also live in like an invisible parallel physical space to earth. Something that I had heard before, but didn't know exactly what they were, but this particular article cleared it up are ley lines. So ley lines were suggested in the 1920s by an archaeologist by the name of Alfred Watkins. And ley lines are these magical alignments in the earth that kind of like, they kind of remind me of longitude and latitude lines, but they're a little bit more like um, organic than that, than just like putting lines on top of the earth. They're like a little more organic and they're said to have sometimes like negative and sometimes positive properties to them. And when they converge, like that crossover, when different ley lines pile on top of each other or crisscross each other, um, it's said to be a place of great energy. And some examples that they gave, which I thought was very interesting, were Stonehenge, Glastonbury Tor, Sedona, and Machu Picchu. And the reason I say that's interesting is because the article brought this up. But in my mind's eye, whenever I knew I wanted to do uh, an episode dedicated to Earth Day or in like with the intention of celebrating Earth Day, my mind immediately went to Machu Picchu. Um, And I'm going to be talking about Um, Peru later on in this episode. But also not only are like these convergent lines like of the ley lines considered like a great energy source, but there's also like little mini spaces, um, like certain landmarks that are associated with quote, minor or localized deities, end quote. Um, And they're called genius loci, and they are protective spirits associated with specific locations. And so I don't know, okay, you already know I'm woo-woo. I don't even know why I was about to apologize to you. You know I'm like this. Um, I've had these experiences where I'm very drawn to like a particular tree or a rock or a river or a particular waterfall. Like there are these different natural spaces where I just feel or just like it can even just be like a random chunk of earth that I'm like, this feels really great whenever I'm around it. Like this feels like it's fueling me or I'm supposed to be here. It's like, it's like this warm, not physically warm, but like spiritually warm place to be. And I thought that was interesting to know now the term for what I was feeling is genius loci or protective spirits associated with that specific location. And I would love to hear if you've ever experienced that where you're like, I don't know, I just like really like this rock. Or I don't know, I just like really like this tree or this shrub or this little sitting place in a meadow. Like it's, it would be really interesting to hear about if you've ever experienced that as well. Because it's a, it's a unique experience, but also I feel like it's a very human experience. So, of course, there are many, many Earth deities. I was like, dang, I could have done like a really deep dive onto this. But the brief overview of some commonly known ones is that in Celtic folklore and mythology, there's a Brigid, of course, and then Sir Nunos, um, which I really feel like it should have been like Sernunos or something like that, but it's Celtic, so I know I'm not saying it correctly, but Brigid and Cernunnos are for the Celtic mythology earth deities. In Roman mythology, there's Cybele. In Greek or Hellenic 
paganism, there's Dionysus and Gaia. Man, all the articles wanted to talk about Gaia. So if you're really interested in her, I would totally look her up. It was very interesting. She was also like really punished, which I think can be kind of allegorical to how like we're treating the earth. But before I get all doom and gloom, I'll move on to Egyptian or Kemetic mythology. We've got Geb or Keb, and that's the god of the soil. And then in Hawaii, there's Pele, which is it also is the like word for volcanoes, but it's also the god of volcanoes and subsequently the islands themselves, because as we all know, islands are made from volcanic um, eruptions and hardening of that lava and that magma. Listen to me sounding all scientific and shit. But yeah, so those are a bunch of very cool deities, very briefly, not even even like a big percentage of the different earth gods across the world and from ancient times as well mixed in there. But now I'm really excited to talk about and give some much deserved space to Pachamama. When I was 18, I was able to visit Peru. I was I saved up a lot for it. Um, I was way more <laughs> bilingual then. <laughs> my Spanish has gotten very rusty. But I have never in my life felt closer to something ever. And the mountains were new and like really peaked and tall and sharp because they were so new compared to like Appalachia, for example. The green is something, it's just a color I've type of green I've never seen before in my life. And I was able to experience Machu Picchu. Something that I saw and heard often was Pachamama or Mother Earth. And it was often, you know, she was often shown as this bountiful, curvaceous femme figure. But there were many different symbols related to Pachamama. But what I personally felt closest to and what made sense to me was this spiral symbol. And it reminded me of the like, divine creator's thumbprint or the divine number that makes up all of creation. But I'm totally getting ahead of myself. So I'm going to refer to this article. It's called Pachamama, Meaning in the Andean Culture. So this ancient female deity was worshipped by local Andean and Amazonian peoples. I'm going to call these peoples Incans, but like the Incan peoples, but she existed even before the Incan peoples. Like she is absolutely ancient because it's our mother earth. But it, yeah, it roughly translates to mother earth. And she was the symbol and the provider of food, support, and shelter. So there were many offerings um, at planting and harvesting times in the Andes. Um, also side note, uh, her symbology and like how people worship her is through the mountains, the earthquakes and through fertility. It was believed by the Incan people before they were colonized by the Spaniards, the Spanish conquests, but also side note to the side note, but the Andes mountains were some of the most beautiful plain views I've ever seen. Like we had to fly over the Andes mountains and seeing those peaks come up through the mist and the, and the clouds was just breathtaking. And I've seen the Aurora Borealis from the plain and the Andes mountains. I, I don't know. There was just, there's just something magical about Peru. Like there's something going on there, but Pachamama is also supposed to represent the life cycle, 
harvesting, ripening of things that you've gathered, generosity, and abundance. Pachamama is an Incan word, uh, and well, Incans speak Quechua. Um, Pache means universe, world, or earth, and mama means mother. Um, and the sun was their main god, but Pachamama was one of the only gods or deities that survived colonization and that embodies like the female soul of nature. And people were able to be so resilient by believing in her and believing that she would provide them with everything that they needed. It's so beautiful. This article talked more in depth about how people were still able able to secretly worship her and give her offerings and like connect with their rooted beliefs in Pachamama by continuing their rituals and offerings in secret, even during the Spanish demand for Catholic worship. It, the article just did an incredible job of depicting how they'd like include iconography of Pachamama, like, like for instance, like the earthquakes in the mountains and things I was talking about before into like the demanded paintings or worship like an example was depicting the Andes mountains within the folds of mother mary's robes like it it is just like incredible to me the secrecy but still like the intention of like providing pachamama with that reciprocated abundance it's incredible um but there were also these hidden oakas and pachamama survives still to this very day. She's still celebrated. Um, There are offerings that focus on that reciprocity, like you give to earth and you must give back to the earth. There were some Andean communities that would, even back when they were being uh, persecuted, um, they would bury clay pots filled with abundant food, as was the tradition. These pots are called chala in Quechua uh, language and buried in a mound of stones to form a little tower above that buried pot called Apacheta. Um, August 1st in the Andean highlands and cities in the Peruvian South are often um, partaking in this, but there are many different ways to celebrate Pachamama that this article talks about. And if you're interested to learn more about like the step-by-step nature of it, you can go to the end of the article and it will go through each of the steps and what they mean. So how are you going to connect with nature? What's a time in your life where you felt closest to the earth? When it felt like you belonged there and that nature was holding you up. I'm going to include a Pachamama prayer here from a blog that I had. uh, It had a downloadable MP3 of that prayer. I believe they're praying in Quechua. I'm going to include it in the show notes below before I play it for you. But in English, the prayer goes... Mother Earth, on the altar, with reverence, we remember you, Mother and Father Sky. Our home, our family, we love you for giving us our lives. Pachamama 
Vasinchista, Ayanchista, Munaskanchista, Kausarinchista, Pajamama Mujanaki, Yuyarinchis, Mama Tai Tai Vasinchista, Ayanchista, Munaskanchista, Kausarinchista, Thanks to all you spooky souls out there for listening to Creepy Core and Folklore. Follow on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok if you're looking for more uncanny content. If you have your own tales to tell, you can email creepycoreandfolklore at gmail.com. If you liked this, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, or tell a friend who might enjoy these stories to spread the word. If you're interested in dark fantasy, check out my Hollowverse series. Ashes is available now in paperback and ebook on Amazon and audiobook on Audible, and the sequel is underway. I'm Iona Wayland, and I'll see you next time.